Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to This One's a Doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. We talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Indeed. And we are a day late, but we're here. We are right on time for us. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the date uh, or like the, the schedule of Thursday release is... Uh, of dream that is long since sailed past. <laughs> it's just out of grasp now. So it, it's gotten harder. It has. It has. Life has gotten really crazy. All good things, but right. just a lot of really good things. <laughs> well, and my work schedule changed to yeah. where I I don't I work Sunday through Thursday. Yeah, insanely. So right. it's and like, you're like getting home at right either at or after little kids' bedtime. And by that point in the day, I'm so frazzled dazzled right. that I'm like, we're going to watch a movie or we're going to bed because, <laughs> and you're like, yes. Right. So <laughs> we might, we might, might be, be changing that soon. We'll we see. might be pushing, we, yeah, we might be able to push it to Thursdays again, but I think just having the general expectation of weekend-ish release, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very vaguely weekend releases for yes. both Patreon and the regular is probably a safe expectation for like the immediate future, but you know. Yeah, we're we're still doing it. <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Well, love. Uh, we uh, might as well jump right in yeah. to the most important question of the day. What are you drinking? Well, this time it makes sense because it's daytime. <laughs> yes, I am having a latte. And oh it is, yeah, what it kind? It is beautiful. It is half chestnut praline and half white mocha. Oh, yes, very nice. Like yes, that. it's really good. What about you? Well, I also am on the caffeine train with you. Choo-choo. Yes. (laughs) So stupid. uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I got uh, a classic Americano. Just hot, hot, regular Americano, black. That's it. Espresso and water. That'll do it. That'll do it for me most days. 
Yeah. All right. Love, you got a feel-good fact for us today? I do. It's kind of a long one. Oh, okay. So according to the Guinness Book of World Records in 2008, the tallest snow person ever made measured over 122 feet or 37.21 meters in height and was constructed by the residents of Bethel, Maine. Jeez. It took about a month to build an estimated 13 million pounds of snow to complete. Uh, Its eyelashes were made out of eight skis. It had five (laughs) red tires for its lips, full spruce trees for arms, and stood nearly as tall as the Statue of Liberty by the time it was finally completed. It was huge. Wow, that's massive. Massive. Oh my gosh. It's like this whole sculpture. I wonder how long it took to melt. I wonder. Like, like, did they destroy it? Because it's all packed in, so it's like, like a tighter tighter bunch of snow. Yeah, it's just really like cute regular. though. You can see pictures of it. That's fun. It's pretty that impressive. A good fact. Yeah. Fun. A little what fun, fun little, little fun treat. winter fact. Yeah. <laughs> winter adjacent. All right, my dear, you got a story for us this week? I sure do. So we're going to start this one off a little differently than we normally do. We had a listener, Jessica, submit a story of her encounter with a bizarre little creature. And so I wanted to open up with her story and then we'll talk more about the creature. Ooh, fun. Okay. So Jessica's story reads, quote, I saw a duende. First, I have to say that I was the little girl who forced her father to watch Unsolved Mysteries in the late 1980s. I have loved all stories of Bigfoot, aliens, and all mysteries since a very young age. As a young adult, I received a degree in criminal justice with an emphasis in psychology. I love all the things your podcast explores and offers. Get ready, you two. This one is my doozy. (laughs) I am from a smallish town in western Nebraska. My story takes place in the early 1990s when I was 11 or 12 years old. I was attending the ultimate sleepover birthday party. This is back when parents would move all the furniture to the edge of the room in the basement and tell us kids not to bother them upstairs. We would have the whole entire room for staying up all night, snacking and playing games. Games we played included win, lose, or draw on the giant whiteboard, light as a feather, stiff as a board, and Bloody Mary, which like, duh. Classic. You have to. (laughs) Of course, no sleepover would have been complete without the freak you out conversations about a clown man coming to get you in your dreams. My age is important to this story. I was several years younger than the birthday girl and her school friends. However, our dads were very close friends, and so I was invited to the party. I only knew the birthday girl that night, but her friends were absolutely kind and very nice to me, so it didn't feel awkward being a little younger. Sometime in the middle of the night, fueled by Mountain Dew, Mexi Dip, and chips, I saw (laughs) something in the room with us, and I wasn't the only one who saw it. Remember how I said the furniture was pushed up along the walls in the large basement den slash living room for the sleepover? There was an old chair resembling a lazy boy pushed up in a corner of the room, and this is where I saw my one and only unexplainable thing in my life. I saw what I have described for over 30 years as a goblin or dwarf or devil-looking thing standing in the chair. (laughs) It was about 20 feet away from where I was standing. Its chest was even with the top back of the chair. That is how I know it was small like a goblin. It was staring directly at us. Its clothes were nondescript, and I could not really make out anything except its extremely menacing face, long straggly hair, and the pitchfork in its left hand. The pitchfork was about the height of the goblin. As I stood speechless, I turned to the two girls I was standing with, and we all were wide-eyed and in absolute shock. A second later, when we looked towards the chair, it was gone. The other dozen or so girls at the party did not see it as we were in smaller groups by then. We were so freaked out. We didn't talk about it the rest of the night. The party ended and everyone went home. 
Our family Hmm. friends moved out of that house to relocate for a job soon after, so I never had to go back to it. I told a few close friends my goblin story in high school, but never really made it public knowledge. This was also before cell phones, the internet, and social media. Right, right. Fast forward from the party to about five years later when I was about 17. I went to a party in a neighboring town. The second I walked in the door, a girl at the party grabbed my hand and pulled me into the bathroom. She took one look at me and said, you were at birthday girl's party that night when we saw that thing. I said, yes, that was me. I was excited and hoping to process our experience since we were older. But she then said, oh, I thought that was you. She left the bathroom and we never spoke of it again. I still don't know her name. So she's sitting there thinking like, okay, good. Finally, (laughs) I can talk about this with someone else who was there, you know? What a a tease too. I know. (laughs) I know. literally, oh, you're that girl. Okay, bye. I gotta go now. (laughs) (laughs) So like I said, I've been telling my story for over 30 years to certain friends and family while promising I was not crazy. That one experience made me a believer in the supernatural. Some laugh, some agree, and many would say it must have been a trick. To which I would respond, this was the early 1990s and our parents didn't have that kind of time, energy, imagination, or technology to do something like that. Right. Our parents were railroad dads and stay-at-home moms. Two years ago, when my son was in 10th grade, he was stuck on a creative writing project. He didn't know what to write about and joked that he should tell my ghost story and survey the class to see how many believed in ghosts. I gave him permission and he ran with it. The teacher and class enjoyed it, were extremely entertained, and over 70% of the class did believe in ghosts or spirits. Hmm. While writing his story, he came to me and said, Mom, did you ever try to Google it? I said, well, no, it would be impossible to find what I saw. I don't even know where to start. So he Googled my description and within 30 seconds had the picture (laughs) of what I saw that night on his iPhone. It is called a duende, and it is a character in Spanish and Latin American folklore. It's amazing when you read the description of when and where the duende appears because it really fits our activities that night. And the one thing I got wrong for over 30 years is what I always described as a pitchfork was actually the duende's hand. Please do an entire episode on the duende. I finally looked on Spotify and only found two episodes ever on this folklore character. I listened to them both. And honestly, Haley, I think you can do a better job. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And do some justice to the story of the Duende. I'm still not sure why it appeared to a few Nebraska girls who had never heard of the Duende, but it did. I'm here if you have any questions. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So when I read her story, I was immediately like, uh, yup, we absolutely are going to do a full episode about the Duende or El Duende, as it's called. Yes. So. And it's kind of like, how have I never heard of this? This is crazy. So when I dug into El Duende, I learned that it exists all over the place in various folklores with different names and functions. And though its descriptions can vary, I'm going to do my best to tackle this figure and share everything that I found about it. Hmm. When I first dug in, I found this really cool article written for Owlcation about the star of today's show. And so I wanted to start this section with a little quote from that. Okay. Beware, a Latin American mother told her children before they went to bed. He's out there waiting for the right moment. El Duende will take you away in the middle of the night to his cave in the middle of the forest. He'll keep you there and no one will know because you'll be deep in the forest where no one can hear you scream. (laughs) For a great, great many years, El Duende has been a fixture in the folklore of various Latin American cultures. But what sounds to be a typical story that parents tell to their children in order to scare them into good behavior seems to be much more than that when you dig a little deeper. 
In the last decade or couple of decades, the internet has been inundated with videos of little critters that look shockingly similar to descriptions of El Duende, Mm. leading many to believe that this figure isn't a run-of-the-mill legend, but that it just might be a spiritual being or a cryptid, a real living creature that has yet to be discovered and documented by modern science. Today, we're talking about El Duende. Oh my gosh. Hang on, Kev. This one's a doozy. I This is my favorite intro I think we've ever had. That's so fun. Good. I'm really <laughs> That's glad. crazy. I finally oh, got you. It yeah. took me 102 episodes to have a now fave. Now we're in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and might I say, as you know, and most of our listeners probably know, my favorite things that we talk about are cryptids and folklore. Yeah. More so cryptids even than folklore. And yeah. uh, so this, I'm excited. I'm ready. Yeah, this is kind of a blend, I feel like. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's it's vague. You'll see. It's such a, there's such a variety of descriptions and functions and uh, settings and things like that, that, um, yeah, I'm curious to see what you hmm. think at the end. It's like there's different, uh, uh, oh shoot, what's the, not not kind, but type maybe? Yeah, like classifications. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> there's like tiers of El Duende. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so it's it really is hard to know where to begin, so I'm just going to jump in. El Duende is a figure that can be found in the folklore of many different cultures across the world. It can be found in Spanish and Portuguese folklore, in the Philippines, and all across Latin America. Though it might go by different names, we're going to stick with El Duende for this episode. El Duende, which is used in Spanish as an umbrella term for goblin, dwarf, or elf, sometimes gnome, uh, which is a pretty common thing, in folklore Hmm. all over the world to have like an umbrella term that encapsulates multiple (laughs) types of figures. Um, It also shares a ton of similarities with figures such as certain members of the Fae or even various Native American legends involving forest spirits. El Duende has a few different functions depending on the culture, ranging from benevolent to delightfully mischievous and ranging all the way into malevolence. They're generally depicted as humanoid in form, standing anywhere from one and a half to four feet in height, depending on the area. But generally speaking, they tend to be described in the three foot range. Hmm. Okay. They, te- so, they oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was just, I was just thinking the more you describe it. And, and I know I literally just said this, but like, it's that I forget what the, what the tiers of bio, biology are of like the, the kingdom animal kingdom. Mm-hmm. Then there's like kinds, types, uh, maybe a species is above that mm-hmm. species kind type something like that, and it's almost like the species is uh, uh, fey, and then the kind is gnome or dwarf, mm-hmm. and then the type would be duende, right? You know, European dwarf. There's like- <laughs> there's tata duende, there's leprechauns, like yeah, you know, all yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it's, it's- it kind of makes me think like that so far. And I'm, isn't that I'm, interesting? Yeah, yeah. Like, what if? What if that's like the way that these creatures are, <laughs> yeah. are are sectioned out. Be interesting. Anyway. It would be interesting. So they can be male or female, but tend to be generalized as male figures. El Duende has a pointed chin and ears, long stringy hair, and the male members tend to have beards as well. They're sometimes depicted without thumbs and are said to break and snap off the thumbs of unfortunate hikers or lost souls that they come across. <laughs> like, so if you were to see one in the woods <laughs> and you greet them and you don't hide your thumbs, like tuck them in, in tight to your palm, they will go for your thumbs and snap them off. Oh my gosh. I don't know if it's because they're jealous yeah, or what the deal is, it but like, them. Yeah, yeah. You have five fingers? 
That's not fair. (laughs) I know. So not only that, but they're also often depicted with backwards feet and backwards knees. Mm. So like their knees are jointed backwards. Oh, that's creepy. Like birds or something. It's freaky. Yeah. They tend to have dark gray or brown skin, but also sometimes yellowish skin. Sometimes they wear like almost formal suits or layers of animal hides and sometimes more tattered clothes with a pointed hat. Hmm. And the hat is often red, but not always. They sometimes also wear sombreros, but the even the sombreros are pointed. Interesting. Yes. Huh. So El Duende is often depicted holding something in its hand, like a sickle, pitchfork, or blunt object that's scaled to its body. So it's not something that it found, but rather something that it made or forged itself. Hmm. And in some variations, the tool is actually its arm. Yeah. So it's like part of its being. Yeah, it's part of its being. Yes. <laughs> a menacing whistle tends to accompany El Duende. And it said that if you hear it, you should run the other way. So as you can see up front, it is kind of tricky to know exactly what you're looking for physically because it's like, it could be this or also this, but maybe this, but also that. But I feel like if you're thinking about it, it's a small humanoid thing with a pointy hat, kind of pointed features, Uh a gray, you know, the skin, the skin tone is kind of. Uh, the, the, the type of vagueness makes it almost not matter at all because it's like the difference between gray, brown and yellow. Those are all kind of neutrals Mm -hmm. versus if it was like lime green. Right. You know? Yeah. That would make it a bigger difference. Sure. Yeah. The clothes can vary, you know, so it is, it is a little tricky. Well, and it sounds like most of the time they're seen in darker settings anyway. So it'd be hard to tell what, what skin tone it really even has probably. Right. So. Right. That is that is true. And I didn't write this up front, but it will come up quite a bit that they appear in very remote places. They yeah. typically hmm. not always like Western Nebraska, like Western Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. So it's like heavily forested areas, um, mountainous areas, small villages. Wow. Uh, you know, so sometimes in large cities that are near forested areas. So like it kind of like edged itself out of the forest and got lost, that kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah. Or was like trying to take a shortcut and accidentally went through the busy city. Yeah. Is well, what it's, it's, some explanations would be. Makes me wonder how sentient they are. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. are they are they really, really aware and can communicate or are they like just animalistic mm-hmm. in how they how they respond to things? I'd be curious, but obviously... It's tricky to know. It's hard to know. Anyway, please continue. In that same vein, since there are so many cultures that have an El Duende type figure in their folklore and the variations are many, uh, I thought it would be fun to talk about a little bit. I'm going to kind of pick certain areas a little bit and Mm -hmm. talk about them. And I'm going to I'm going to mostly stick with ones that are in the Western Hemisphere, but I will talk just a little bit about European ones as well. So as always, I'll make the disclaimer that what I'm about to dive into is far from exhaustive, and I always welcome any listeners to share their own stories, experiences, or tidbits of knowledge about a topic. So please feel free to send that our way if I miss something that you think would be fun to include, and I can include that on a future episode. Anywho, various Native American peoples have their own versions of the Duende, commonly described with the umbrella term of little people. We've actually talked about a couple of these on the show already, albeit very briefly, uh, on one of our Bridgewater Triangle episodes when we told the story about the Pukwaji and that man who had an encounter with it. Yeah. I don't remember all of the specifics, but I remember that the little thing seemed to be beckoning the man to go with it 
And he also had his dog. Yes. Samantha. Yes. He had Samantha the dog with him. Yes. And that is pretty consistent with Hmm. the El Duende legend, as we'll see as we go on. But it was like trying to speak to him. It was like, here. Yeah. Yeah. You. Do you remember it? Oh, I do. Yes. I remember getting goosebumps. Yeah. That one was creepy. (laughs) So little people legends in Native American folklore were described as helpful to those who showed respect to them, but dangerous to those who would disrespect them or disrespect nature, since they were typically considered to be guardians of the forest. So think forest spirit in this version. Mm -hmm. Okay. They had a job to do in keeping the forest safe and peaceful. So don't get in the way of that and you should be good. They also had a reputation for being tricksters. One iteration of this is that if you hear whistling in the forest, don't listen and don't try to find the source of the whistle. Because if you were to see a little person, you would be doomed to face an untimely demise. It was Hmm. always wise to leave food and treats for the little people, and you must never block their path, much like many iterations of the Fae, which I'm pretty sure we actually talked about the Cherokee little people in one of our Appalachia episodes also. The, I can't remember. It was, it was a a native term. Yes. Yeah. I don't remember exactly either, but it's, it's so interesting how often different Fae folk have come up yeah. in these stories. It is and interesting. This is, this is why this is this is why I'm I'm feeling this very like strong like oh I wonder if there's this tier of species, species. To type whole thing and this is just another that would be so crazy. Well it's wild because it was like the ancient Mayans had on their pyramids I didn't write about this but they had in like uh artwork and and pottery and that kind of stuff figures that looked like little men to scale <laughs> with pointed hats. Yeah. And like it was everywhere wow. in their folklore, but that was that type of dress was not typical in how the Mayans would dress. Yeah. So what was it? And that's an ancient culture. Right. And this has a lot of people will claim that the the origin of El Duende is Iberia, like the Iberian Peninsula at this time. And others would say it started in Alaska. And others would say it was European and it blended with this. There's not really a full Mm. consensus on where the El Duende legend began. And (laughs) the fact that this has been at least centuries that we know of, but potentially more. Yeah. And there's all these isolated cultures that have come up with explanations for things that they've seen that they can't understand. Whether, you know, it's a misidentification or they're just trying to do, you know, they're using folklore as it was intended to be used, as it was used for right, centuries. Right. But I find it so fascinating that all of these cultures that are isolated from one another have the same character mm-hmm. in their stories. That seems so strange to me, and but also really fun. Right. Well, and there's a few of those. There's like, you know, dragons kind of are kind of like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And uh, mermaids. Mermaids. Yeah, we've talked about mermaids a little bit. Mm-hmm. So like, it's interesting to me to think of this being just another one of, instead of them being all so disjointed, which is what I think most, at least Americans, sure. think of when we think of these mythical creatures, is we just think of this this random thing, this random thing. And now kind of over the last couple of years that we've been talk, doing this podcast, it's almost like, oh, wait, there's a- There's a ton th- of connections. There's a, there's a line that connects all these. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of like the meme of- uh, Oh, what's that actor's name with the high pitched voice? Charlie, uh, Charlie Day. Charlie Day, where he's in front of the <laughs> the, the, the wall board and he's with got the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. all the thread lines connecting. It yes. kind of makes me feel a little bit like that right now. But it's that's kind of how it 
feels. Yeah. Just listening to it is like, oh my gosh, they're all connecting. Anyway. It's so fascinating. It's believed that the little people in Cherokee folklore accompanied the indigenous people who were forced from their homes in Georgia in 1838 and were made to walk through the treacherous terrain and dangerous weather conditions to Oklahoma. When the little people saw the distress and anguish of the Cherokee, they granted them the gift of eternal fire as the flames of their nightly fires seemed to never burn out but burned stronger than any fires that they'd built before that time or since. So in this instance, we're seeing the little people as not only protectors, but comforters. Mm -hmm. Wow. But either way, these figures existed all across the country for many, many generations. Were they simply created to attempt to explain certain inexplicable things that various indigenous peoples encountered in the forest? Or did they actually see and interact with these creatures? Hmm. I think it's a fair question. That is a fair question. Well, and and they're they're kind they're being helpful in that scenario which is different than what we've seen so they like have an empathy right or a sympathy element to it maybe Mm -hmm. an empathy maybe that's why because they react well or maybe maybe a kinship too with the cherokee people because the cherokee respect the land that they have spent generations upon generations taking care of and like stewarding really well yeah wow this goes so deep just already Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, keep going. (laughs) In various European folklore, there are plenty of little people legends from the Tomten, which we talked about in our Christmas episode, to leprechauns and tons of different characters of fae. And they too were to be revered and respected. Generally speaking, if you followed their rules, they'd either be helpful to you or would leave you alone completely, unless you were encountering a trickster spirit, in which case you still have to play by their rules. But even if you did, you may still find yourself unable to escape their wit and wile. <laughs> so, I mean, you might end up trapped for eternity under right. the ground anyways, but like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, it's like, if I just got snatched up by a trickster spirit, it's like, all right. Well, well they were like- going to get me anyway. <laughs> No taxes underground, I guess. So it's cool. All that to say, there's something extremely fascinating that there are so many little people legends that date back at least hundreds of years and that those legends have stood the test of time for long enough for us to still be talking about them here in a small basement in Nebraska. (laughs) Right. So we're going to now zoom in a little bit more into El Duende in particular. Okay. The origins of El Duende are difficult to fully trace, but the general consensus seemed to have its roots in Spanish and Iberian cultures of the past and have not only carried on for centuries, but have also blended with the mythology of other cultures as time went on, which is why you hear about El Duende by that name in particular in so many places. We've got Ecuador, Belize, Mm. Brazil, Mexico, uh, Southwestern United States. They'll all say El Duende. Right. So in one very common version of the El Duende legend, he's very interested in children. Hmm. El Duende has been known to live inside of children's walls and would often be blamed for toys missing from children's rooms. Weirder still, El Duende has also been said to have a goal of clipping children's toenails when they sleep. (laughs) Sometimes he would miss and hack Hmm. off a whole toe. I'm not sure what he was up to with that. I really... Don't get it. Really? Maybe there's some El Duende magic yeah. I'm unaware of that you need the, to- you need the, the toenail. toenail of a child, of a human <laughs> child. Like sprinkle it on their food. Salt bay. Mm-hmm. Salt-, <laughs> Salt bay, but it's toenails. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> In some variations, El Duende would appear before the mother of a particular child that it really wanted and would attempt to barter with her, promising her glorious riches and future prosperity if she would give her child to it. If it was successful, which it sounds like it rarely was, hmm. but still, if it was successful, it would take the child away to its hidden home in the forest or in some remote cave where it would eat the child down to the bones or hold it prisoner for eternity. Oh, good. So that's nice. So, wow. Yeah. So that's a... Hmm. Not super not, fun. So they were not always nice like they were to the Cherokee. That's why I'm saying like <laughs> yeah. they have so many different apparent goals. Yeah, yeah. And like functions and jobs, you know. Well, I guess if it was holding it prisoner so that it could take its toenails <laughs> all the time, <laughs> yeah. it, would, it would cut down on travel. It discovered so. that toenails grew back. Right. I'm like, wow, just get one. Just have get one forever. and have an eternity of, of toenails. <laughs> So another more popular version of the story notes El Duende's obsession with women, particularly very young, pretty women or little girls who are traveling alone, or if they're very young, are gathered in a singular space with no adult men present, which sounds insanely familiar Mm -hmm. to Jessica's story. Yeah. A bunch of little girls hanging out in a basement. Right. So when I read that, I was like, oh, that actually gave me like a chill down my spine. Like, what yeah. are you up to, little El Duende? So, Jessica, now you know what the problem was. Oh, yeah. So, he will then offer gifts to the woman, uh, like extreme wealth, that kind of stuff, if they would agree to go with him. If a, if a young woman falls for his tricks, she is said to remain under his power for the rest of her days. That is, if El Duende lets her leave at all. El Duende has been used as an explanation for girls in remote villages who suddenly lose their ability to speak, or who would suddenly suffer from some sort of mental health crisis. Mm, Yeah. That would be the explanation. It was El Duende. Mm. So if a young woman or a young girl would ignore his offer completely, he will spend the remainder of his days obsessed with that one in particular, following her around, always close by behind some bush or tucked neatly into some shadow. He would throw rocks at her bedroom window to get her attention and may even throw animal feces at her tormenting her with no known goal. He kind of sounds like an incel, <laughs> like obsessed with being, you've rejected yes. me. And so now I'm yes. going to try and make your life a I living want, hell. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hurt you because you've hurt my heart. That's incel behavior. It sure is. El Duende. I do not approve. So if you're a girl or a young woman who is approached by El Duende, your best course of action is to remain calm and friendly towards it. Incel behavior. Yeah. When it offers you (laughs) gifts or wealth so you'll agree to leave with him, agree, but only under the condition that he promises to go get or do something for you. Make the task as impossible as you can. One example I read said that you should tell him to fill up your wicker basket with water from the nearest river or body of water, and once he returns to you with a full basket, then you'll agree to go with him. This is literally impossible no matter how hard El El Duende tries, since the holes and cracks in the basket will obviously cause the water to leak out before it can return to you. Not only will you get away unharmed, but El Duende will lose a little bit of his gusto towards women, always wondering if the next one that he tries to lure to his cave will give him a task as impossible as yours. So like, (laughs) just saying. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's amazing. In some areas where El Duende is still alive and well, it's fairly common that he is a helper to those who find themselves lost in the forest or on the mountainside. But for the most part, it does seem as though El Duende's primary goal in life is to lure children and women to his cave. Interesting. So that it, he's he's maybe trying to like build like a, I don't, I mean, yes, like a prison, but maybe even like just, <laughs> just a, a companionship, but almost forced. Yeah. Like it's that incel thing. Yeah. Like, which is funny because that's not a term that people would have used 15 years ago. But like we can, that is kind of what a lot of those kind of dudes do is they just want to have someone <laughs> right. like that. Yeah. So it's a little messed up, but. So I'm going to share another story of someone who believes they encountered El Duende before we talk a little bit more about the prevalence of the figure in modern times. This was taken from the r slash paranormal subreddit. So as always, take it with a grain of salt, mm -hmm. but I did think it was interesting. Yeah. So it reads, quote, full disclosure, throwaway account. I'm very hesitant to talk about this. My wife and I are both college educated professionals. Other than this one time that I'm about to describe, we've never experienced anything that would qualify as paranormal. We've never seen ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, etc. The reason why I'm posting this is because I'm genuinely looking for any information on what we saw. At the time, about 12 years ago, we lived in northeastern Arizona in the southern Apache County, uh, close to the Navajo Nation. We had no kids at the time and would typically go out to dinner after work on Friday nights. We would drive about an hour to a neighboring town as our very small town had few good restaurants. As we were driving back, my wife was behind the wheel around 9 or 10 p.m. and were both watching out for animals. It wasn't uncommon to see deer, antelope, and jackrabbits, which could damage our truck if hit. We'd also often seen rats, mice, and prairie dogs too. So as we're going along, all of a sudden, this small, about 18 inches tall, bipedal creature goes running out in front of us. It ran from one side of the road to the other and disappeared in the cedar trees that are typical along the main highway we were traveling. The most messed up part was that the thing was wearing clothes. It was dressed in a robe and a pointy hat. We can't really remember the colors of the clothes, but we both agree that the hat was red. It did not look cute or friendly, more like the stuff of nightmares. Mm. Its skin was a dark brown or dark gray. Its face looked monstrous and was grimacing. I had the impression that it was very distressed and seemed to be running away from something or someone. It seemed oblivious to us and our truck. I looked over at my wife, who neither hit the brakes nor swerved whatsoever, and she's just looking straight ahead at the road. I seriously thought I just had a hallucination. Not because I've had one before, but I can't believe what I just saw. Yeah. So I said, did you see that? To which she quietly replied, yeah. In order to confirm my own sanity, I needed to hear her say what she saw first. I then said, what did you see? She then said, like a little person with a wizard hat on? <laughs> then I said, oh yeah, WTF. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly wouldn't believe my own eyes and memory if she hadn't seen it too. She's also said that if she hadn't seen it too, she would have completely shut it out of her mind. Or that if I hadn't seen it too, she would have completely shut it out of her mind and would have long forgotten it by now. In fact, I would have serious doubts if I had said what it was first and then she agreed with me. We've talked about it several times since then and are still dumbfounded on what it was. I've done some research and it's hard to glean any information because people all around the world have claimed to have seen small humanoid creatures for hundreds, if not thousands of years. 
<laughs> the variations are all over the place. This thing wasn't like the friendly looking, looking garden gnomes that people have in their yards. I hope to never see one again and sure as blank <laughs> wouldn't go looking for one. My wife once described it as a little demon. Does anyone have experience with such a thing or can point me to some information about this type of creature? I chose to call it El Duende as that seemed appropriate for our region. Thanks. So as you can imagine, after he shared this story, yeah. many of the responses were like, uh, yeah, that's El Duende. Wow. Yeah. Followed by like, their story their own story of, of yes. seeing it yeah yes. wow huh. so then cruising a little bit more through reddit there are certainly dozens upon dozens of stories of people believing with their heart of hearts that they too have seen el duende with their own eyes like i Whew. i could have literally made a full episode that was an hour long just reading people's stories about el duende and it would have been probably as fascinating as what i chose <laughs> to do this, instead yeah, yeah, yeah. you should if you have some time just go search el duende on reddit You'll be like, hmm. what? And obviously, wow. uh, anyway, yeah, I'm not yeah, going yeah. to go too far down that road. But uh, stories of families in Mexico who have seen what they believe to be the same El Duende for multiple generations. Stories where El Duende was the hero who helped guide their small cousin to safety from a densely wooded forest. Stories of horses in the pasture having their hair mysteriously braided, but nobody in the family knows how causing them to believe they had a duende living on their property. And then plenty of stories where El Duende seemed to be a being who was much, much more nefarious. Mm. We also have Jessica's story. So there are stories of eyewitness accounts of creatures or beings that all sound remarkably similar all across the world, not just in Mexico, South America, North America, etc. And so the first question that comes to my mind is what are people actually seeing? Right. What are they seeing? Even if we discount a majority of sightings as fun exercises in creative writing online, I truly believe that many people are actually seeing something that resembles El Duende that they simply don't have another explanation for. Stranger still is the countless videos that have been shared all across YouTube and other social media sites over the years. I'm sure that you've probably seen at least one of them, but didn't know exactly what you were looking at. Right. So like there's a very famous one that... I feel like most people have seen, but they don't realize that people think it's El Duende, where it's like a well and it's like a little grassy area in, in a yard. Hmm. And all of a sudden you see this little thing run and it's a very grainy video. It's old. It's got to be 10 years old by now. Yeah. And you see this little thing like peeking out and then it runs across the yard and everybody in the video in the background starts screaming. Maybe I have seen that. You've I don't probably know. seen yeah. it. I don't know. I'll have to go look look for it. But that sounds really interesting. Yeah, there's tons <laughs> of them. Then there's there's plenty that are very obviously like this is somebody being creative. Sure, sure. <laughs> so once again, it is also fair to probably assume like at least a portion of these are clever hoaxes right. or misidentifications. But there are plenty that are harder to write off. Hmm. Like especially given the fact that the videos appear to be taken in remote areas, which is where they tend to be seen the most. And they're the ones that are taken on less quality devices like cameras or phones. Right. I'm like, how would you fake that? Like, it is frustrating that the quality level is like a potato. And so it's <laughs> it's hard to like make out anything distinct. Right. But to me, it's like, that almost feels more credible to me. And I don't know if that's just like a personal thing or if there's any merit to right. that <laughs> opinion of mine. But I feel like it would be harder to fake something. With an older camera. With an older sure. camera yeah. and get away with it. Or maybe it's easier. I don't uh, know. Yeah, because don't know. because you're able to get away with 
you know, you can't see the string (laughs) in a grainy video, (laughs) you know, whatever. But with all of that in mind, the idea that El Duende is an enigma compared to its folklore figure counterparts, that he's actually a cryptid and not just a creature of myth is kind of a little thing that I wanted to explore for just a second before we wrap up. Yeah. So those who subscribe to this opinion say that the frequency of sightings, the many recorded sightings, and certain features of El Duende lead at least a little credibility to the idea that El Duende is a long-forgotten species of hominid that is yet to be classified by science. So I'm not going to go too far down this down this road because it is just hard to prove. Right. But there's like skull structures that are common in in like older hominid species, like Mm -hmm. long extinct ones that have more of a, like a pointed head, like at the top of their skull. And that was like, the purpose of that was for bite force. And you see that today in like, like gorilla species have more of that, like crested head. Hmm. And the, the function of it is a stronger bite force, which the implications of that is terrifying. Like that's scary. (laughs) Yeah. If that's what it is. But The idea here is that these are actually hominids. These are hominid creatures, some level of intelligence. They, because they're found in highly remote areas, like from the most remote villages, forests, mountains, towns, cities, et cetera, like near forests and stuff like that. It's not impossible, many would contend, that whatever they are, if they're a tried and true physical being, it's been able to remain mostly hidden and reclusive because of the remoteness of where they are typically found. Like that would lend credibility to this is something that has evaded human detection because they're in remote areas. Well, and it sounds like they don't, they don't uh, live in large groups either. They don't. I, I've read that they're, they're pretty much solitary. Right. Which which would make it hard to find. Well, and that's good news (laughs) that they're not pack animals. (laughs) Right. That would be, they're not going to overrun. Yes. Yeah. Like the little (laughs) dinosaurs in Jurassic park the second one <laughs> those little yes, guys yes just like that that would be horrifying yes but because but also, they're solitary they they're not they're not able to get together put together a plan of now we're going to take over mm-hmm. and we're going to own this whole town or like are they, they well who knows oh boy but they they live on their own so that also makes it harder to find because they're so easy they're, they're so slippery in that way you know yeah is what what that's how my mind takes it anyway sure So others still would argue that in the same vein of it being a cryptid, that El Duende isn't just a folk figure, but instead, much like the European belief of beings that can cross between the physical and spiritual world, that El Duende can do just that. Mm. That it enters into our plane of reality, mostly evading detection before it returns to its own plane of reality. Obviously, this is almost impossible to prove at this point, but regardless of what you believe to be true about El Duende, whether you think it's a fun character in global folklore, a cryptid, or a spiritual being, it's difficult to deny its prevalence to this very day. And that is what I have for you today. That is crazy. It I, is. <laughs> it's, it's the, I feel like this is a great episode that starts to kind of, we've already dipped our toes in it a little bit, and now we're kind of wading in the water of uh, cryptozoology and creatures that, uh, would be considered likely both or and or spiritual and actually like biological, physical, physical, like this is, this is the the clearest we've gone into that world. We've touched on it. Like even as far back as, uh, uh, 
uh, what's it called? The, the episode three, the place. Oh, Diet Love Pass. Uh, no, not episode three. The other episode. Skinwalker Ranch. Skinwalker Ranch. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, it takes me back to that place of like, mm-hmm. okay, we, we started talking about different kinds of, you know, aliens, Bigfoot, whatever, all these creatures mm-hmm. that maybe are less so biological and more so paranormal mm-hmm. or both, which right. would, is cryptozoological, I think was the word. Um, and this, this really like digs deep into that, I feel like. So this is like yeah. a good, we're waiting in that water now, which is what my favorite thing is that we do. Yeah, <laughs> it is fun. It is fun. Well, and the thing is, is that I think it's, I, I'm a fan of reason. I'm a fan yes. of being reasonable. I have gone into situations intentionally, like going in with the mindset of I'm going to do my best to be the most reasonable person in this conversation. Yeah. Like that is my express goal, you know? And I'm also a fan of whimsy. I love paranormal stories. Mm-hmm. I love mysteries. I love alien stories. They're so fascinating to me. And I think it is more unreasonable to say that all of this stuff is completely impossible right. at this point because science discovers new things right. all the time. Right. All the time. And so the idea of a being that is just not discovered by science yet. Right. That does not sound that unreasonable to me. Right. And to not go too far down that path, at one point in time, striking flint to create a spark that made fire looked like witchcraft. <laughs> and a good, now, a good point. now it's just common science. Right. And and smoking cigarettes when you're pregnant is really good for the baby. <laughs> People did believe that at one point. <laughs> That's how they marketed it for like yeah. a time. Yeah. It was like, so we, we've learned and adapted. And this is the same kind of thing that I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if we'll learn and adapt as we do discover. I mean, now that everybody's got smartphones, we, we could be on the, the cusp of discovering a lot more of those kinds of, of, uh, para, paranormal science. What's right. the term for that? Cryptozoology. It, well, that too, but like just the more broad science, para, parascientific maybe. I sure. It's called either way. We we might be on the brink of that, and this would be a really interesting realm to get into with it would Faye be as maybe like the the top line of it all the way down to specifically the El Duende. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. This one was really fun to look into. Yeah. It was super super hard to like uh, tighten it up because there was so much information. I mean, I would go on one website and there would be twenty five different El Duende figures. <laughs> yeah, with like a brief description of each, and so I'm like, oh. okay, I'm trying to find through lines. Yeah. A little well, bit. And then they, for all we know, it could be uh, the Studio Ghibli movie, Secret Life of Arietti, where they yeah, just like live under your house. Yeah, the borrowers. Or, is that what they're called? Borrowers? I believe that. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> Duende, I also read something about it was like um, Duen, Dueño de Casa. And it was like something of the house. I can't oh, remember. Yeah. Little people of the house, maybe? Yeah, something like that. Or like Lord <laughs> of the House kind of oh, thing. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, and and so kind of like the, the Swedish ones, the Tomten. Yeah. They were believed to be like the keepers of your farm. Yeah. And they usually lived in a quiet corner of your house where you wow. didn't see them or a quiet corner of your barn. And like, if you see the braids on uh-huh. your horse, we've talked about this right, before. Right. Don't undo it. The fact that people on, once again, it's Reddit. <laughs> sure, like sure, you sure. have to, be, I have to be fair and say that, but reading through people's accounts, I'm just like, man, I don't want to, I guess this is where me being a little more leaning towards whimsy 
yeah. probably takes over is I just don't want all of them to not be true. Right. Because it is so interesting. Right. But like, you know, you just, you just don't know. Right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the unusual, unsettling, unsavory story today. This one, I was extremely savored. This is a great story. <laughs> Extra savored. Extra savored Super story savory. today. If you haven't already, please make sure you are subscribed on your favorite listening platform and that you leave a glowing five-star review. And uh, maybe next time you can uh, enjoy a drink along with us. Like you can hear Haley's yeah, sorry. jingling around over there. I saw very direct eye contact and I was like, oh, that's my bad. <laughs> Uh, also make sure that you're following us on social media. We are on Instagram and TikTok at this one is a doozy and on Facebook, this one's a doozy podcast. And for even more content, you can join us over on Patreon. My love, why don't you share a little bit about Patreon real quick? Yes. So you can follow the link in our Instagram bio or our Facebook about section, or you can go to patreon.com slash doozy pod. And for $5 a month, for less than my latte cost. True. You can support our show. Supporters over on Patreon also get access to all of our content ad-free, mm-hmm. along with two monthly exclusive bonus episodes that can only be found on Patreon, as well as a fictional story once a month narrated by Mr. Kevin. That's across right. Across the way. And I need to do that one for this month. <laughs> so Yeah, uh, you do. I'm behind. My I bad. have it picked out and sent to you. It's going to be great. Fair. Okay. You're going to nail it. I love it. But yeah, if you would like to gain access to all of that content and just to support us, because we really appreciate every single person who listens and, you know, who supports us in various ways. But our patrons are extra special to us and we're super thankful. So, yeah. Yeah. And with that, we will see you next week on Patreon and in two weeks (laughs) publicly for another doozy. Thank you. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.